Welcome into another day, another Tuesday, and another week of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Glad to be back with you. You hope you enjoyed your safe holidays. Muhammad Ahmad here with you with Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis as we set the stage for what I want to call a shabanger, not just a banger, a shabanger. Week 17, Monday Night Football, Bills, Bengals, could argue one of the biggest games of the year. I think the NFL definitely knew what they were doing, and rightfully so, when they put this game on the schedule, knowing these two teams would be fighting for so many different things. Burrow versus Allen, who's going to increase her MVP odds? The Bengals trying to win out, maybe get some help from the Chiefs to get the one seed, something they haven't done in over three and a half decades. The Bills, meanwhile, trying to keep that position in the one seed. Lots and lots to get to as we preview a really exciting game. But just to kind of set the stage for where the playoff pictures right now so like we mentioned the bills are the one seed kansas city is right behind them at number two the Bengals still lead the afc north they're sitting at number three baltimore who's behind them is at five right now the jacksville jaguars amazingly are number four as they lead the afc south the chargers who just clinched a playoff berth on monday after beating the colts are number six and at number seven, you have the Miami Dolphins hanging tight and pretty. You have the Patriots, Jets, Titans, Steelers, and remarkably even the Raiders, although I think they'll be out in no time. Uh, all those teams are still on the bubble trying to get at least that seven seed. So a lot to be determined there. And, of course, Monday's game is going to be important because, like we said, the Bengals have to win out and hope the Chiefs lose at least one of their next two games if they want to win the one seed or get the one seed, they win the division. The Bengals do if they win on Monday, plus a Steelers win over the Ravens, which will be on Sunday night football. That game was just flexed. So that's going to be an exciting game that I think and know the Bengals and people close to them are going to be watching. But man, I just got to ask you guys kind of as we set the stage, like a few weeks ago, let's say like before the bye week. So maybe almost two months ago. Did you imagine we'd be sitting here right now talking about a week 17 game where the Bengals have a chance to get the one seed and Joe Burrow has a chance to maybe, maybe catch up to Patrick Mahomes for that top spot in the MVP rankings? No. Um, you know, two months ago, <laughs> I mean, think back to where we were after after the Cleveland game. The Bengals fall to four and four. Uh, Jamar's hip was kind of, you know, this mysterious unknown where nobody really knew what was going on. Um, and, and it was kind of a tough situation because you didn't know what was going to happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then all of a sudden you look at their schedule and you look at the way the team is trending and you kind of figure, okay, you know, maybe just tread water until Jamar gets back. And then maybe the offense can kind of, can kind of get rolling here. Um, but, you know, Zach kind of mentioned this today, like, They've won seven in a row, and they've kind of had to win seven in a row because you know if you if you lose one of those games, you know if you if you blow that game to New England, or you know if you if you blow that game against Tennessee, whatever it is, you're, you're talking about a situation right now where the only thing at stake is the division. Now you can you can go into Week 17 with a shot to to get the one seed, um, but even if you beat the Bills and beat the Ravens and the Chiefs went out and you're the two seed, you at least guarantee yourself that you're not going to have to go on the road until the AFC championship game, uh, which is going to be pretty big because the last thing you want to do is, you know, have to host a charger team at home, then go to Buffalo, then come back and go to Kansas city. I mean, that's just a tough swing. So um, it, it's been impressive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this was what 
the Bengals certainly had in mind and what the schedule makers certainly had in mind. I think that with the longer season, uh, it's harder to have a dominant team kind of across the board. So having this be a game with sort of huge implications, I don't think is all that surprising even where they were. I mean, you think about, you know, they would have been fighting, you know, whether it was fighting for a lower seat or fighting for a higher seat, it was still going to be, uh, I think, a, a kind of a, a critical critical game. I mean, we, we both, everybody kind of knew uh, Buffalo was talented. Uh, I think everybody, the Bengals were talented. I mean, they weren't playing up to, I think, their talent uh, at the start of the season. It took them a minute, but um, that they've rattled off some wins here, I, I don't think is that surprising. You know, to be honest, with the first and second seed, I think you see it, you know, I know Philadelphia's had a, a bit of a more dominant run, just, but they've had a much easier schedule. I think the AFC right now is kind of a gauntlet for those those teams, and it's hard to sort of, I don't know, get a stranglehold on the top seed, you know, in half a season or even 10 games. I think you're going to have more uh, parity, especially as, you know, when you have a longer season, teams get worn down. And you've seen the Bengals had uh, the crystal clear injury report, and now two weeks later have, you know, some real injury issues. Um, so I think that's what all teams kind of face. And, and so I think you're going to see that. Um, you know, there's not many teams sort of like completely out of the hunt. Um, you know, and I, and I think that speaks to, like I said, where, you know, the parity in the league and, and it's hard to sort of be dominant over, you know, a 17 week season and with great quarterback, you're always, I think, going to be sort of in the conversation. I tell people the word parity is one of my favorite words, because when it comes to any sport, any league, me personally, I just love parity. We saw that last year, obviously the Bengals, not just making the playoffs, making the run they made as far as they did. I don't know what's more parity than that. But then you look at this year, you know, the Bills could be the one who got that one seed, whereas the Titans, who may not even get into the playoffs, were the one seed last year. Then the Bengals could follow up with that, but maybe as, you know, a one seed, a two seed, or at very least a three seed, which is higher than they were last year. Who would have thought Jacksonville, being as low as they were, could make the playoffs if they win out the rest of the year? I mean, that's... I mean, that week 17, I'm sorry, week 18 game with Tennessee and Jacksonville is, I don't know if that's going to be a shebanger because both teams are mid, but I mean, someone's going to win that division one way or the other. So like, that's going to be a great game depending on how that shapes out. But, you know, uh, we're going to see how that plays out. It's going to be a wild, wild final two weeks. So you better make sure you buckle up if you haven't already. But there was one thing you touched on, Mike, that I think is a perfect segue and that's injuries. Uh, if we're talking about the Bengals, you cannot avoid the fact that Lyle Collins, um, as we saw from reports that we also brought to you on Cleveland.com, that he is out for the rest of the season. Uh, initially, it was thought that his kneecap moved, and then more MRIs revealed that he actually tore his ACL. Uh, Zach Taylor just kind of kept it mum. He said, in his own words, he's not optimistic about his situation, but said he would get more information. If there is anything good, though, any silver lining, is that Sam Hubbard, uh, according to Zach Taylor, is day-to-day. I saw Hubbard in the locker room uh, this afternoon. He did not have the boot on his ankle or his calf, so he looks like he's walking fine. How fine, we don't know. Uh, We'll see when uh, the Bengals practice this week, and we'll get a better idea of how uh, healthy or not healthy he is. But, you know, going back to Collins, you know, like, this is the thing people should know if they don't know already. The Bengals had the same starting five up front for every game this year, 
Now that streak comes to an end with Collins' season-ending injury. That means the likely starter is going to be Hakeem Adeniji. Uh, Adeniji started the last nine games of the regular season at right guard. He started every single playoff game, including the Super Bowl. Um, as far as the depth chart goes, Max Sharping could move behind him, but then you also might want to call up Isaiah Prince from the practice squad just to add some depth behind the other tackle position. So uh, a little bit of flexibility there, but as far as we know, Adeniji is going to be the guy. He's in his third year. Uh, what do you guys make of a guy like him? And at the same time, just how serious is it not having a guy like Collins up front with this stretch in the season coming up? Well, uh, not great. I mean, you know, obviously, I think the continuity helped. Um, <clears throat> I think Collins struggled at times um, and sort of sometimes looked like an old 28, um, referencing his, obviously his age. Um, yeah. But, but I don't think uh, – you know, I think Akeem Adinaji was credited with allowing five pressures and like 40, 40 snaps. Um, and, you know, there's a reason he, he lost the job and they made it a priority to upgrade at tackle. Um, you know, is he ready? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think we'll see. This is a tough spot to throw him in against the Bills, one of the top defenses uh, in the league. Um, you know, obviously he was in, in, in the lineup uh, for that playoff one, but one of the reasons they went out and upgraded is because the off- the offensive line didn't play very well during that playoff run. They sort of won in spite of allowing all those pressures and not keeping Joe upright. Um, so I think it is a, is a concern, but I mean, out of all five positions up front, the guy you probably would be the most okay with losing is Leo Collins. Is that, would you agree with that, Andrew? I agree. I know I'm not Andrew, but I still agree with that. I'm trying to run through. Well, you want me to tell you who the starting five is? Jonah no, Williams? No, the, the debate, uh, I think. Al is that and well, the, de- the debate for me, is it's either Volson or Collins. Um, because you, you don't want to lose Karras, you don't want to lose Williams, and you don't want to lose Kappa. Um, I, I, but he, I, I, so, I either I way, he's very close to the guy. I mean, I think there were – uh, you know, you lose Ted Karras. I think that is a really hard thing to overcome in week oh, right. 18, 19, 17, whatever it is of the season. Uh, whereas Collins, the, the right side, uh, he's played spotty at times and struggled. Um, so, I mean, you're not losing your most. I mean, I know, you know, uh, I think Joe Burrow said after the game he, he was playing out of this world. But, I mean, I don't know about that. The eye test sort of, I, I don't know if that that's that's accurate. But, I mean, I, I think the continuity did speak. I, I think this group was very comfortable together. I mean, I think that's what you'll lose, that there will be some, I think, kinks to work out. Yeah, well, and the thing about losing, uh, the more the more I think about it, the more I think you're right. Um, because you when, when you lose a guy that is on the edge like that, um, you can help him. You know, like if you lose a Kappa, a Karras, a Volson, it's a heck of a lot harder to give help up the middle than it is on the end, because on the end, you're going to play, you know, good edge rushers, good players in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, think about some of the teams you're going to play. Like if you have to play Kansas city, like Chris Jones is coming. Like if you have to play, um, I'm trying to think in, in my mind who, who they would have here, but like a perfect example, like, you know, that's a tougher, that's a tougher thing to help on Chris Jones against Kansas city that it would be like right now they're going to play the Chargers in the first round. Like the playoffs started today. And if you have to help with, with Bosa or Mac on the edge, you can do that a lot easier than you would on the inside. There are things you can do. You can get the ball out quick. 
you can run away from one of them if you if you kind of feel you have an advantage there. And um, they've got you know, put a tight end there to chip. You can do different things. Well, Samaje and Mitchell Wilcox are very good at that as well. They're very good uh, right. in pass protection. So I mean, it's not like you're lacking in those areas where, um, you, you like you said, you do you can provide help and it's good help. It's not just a, a body there. I mean, Samaje and and Mitchell Wilcox are, are two of the higher rated kind of pass blockers uh, at their position. Um, you know, they they, they are pretty effective in, the, in that role. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell Wilcox, you can't say enough about him, like whether it's replacing Hayden Hurst, being the long snapper in week one, and then being one of the best blockers, like you said, Mike, at his position, which is why someone like Zach Taylor and all the other coaches praise him. I mean, that's a good thing. You have a Mitch Wilcox, you have Samaj P. Ryan, and look, here's the thing with Adenogy. Uh, I understand. Make a correction. He was not good at long snapping. I don't know if you saw that. Well, the point he tried. The point is he at least he tried. We we got we got to give credit where credit is due. Um, But like you said, and they lost the game because of it. I don't know about so. So what are you gonna do? So what are you gonna do? Are you you gonna put a long snapper then? When you have have no Clark Harris and Kyle Mites is inactive, what are you gonna do? Yeah, he's your emergency long snapper, but that doesn't mean he was a good emergency long snapper. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That he suffered through that because I'm sure that was not fun. That's what I mean. Like credit for him to suffering through that kind of a position. But as I was saying, as I digress, the thing with the Denigy, in all fairness, look, I understand. Yeah, he didn't look ideal against New England. I actually do think he even got away with a couple holds on Matthew Judon. There was one where I was just like, he is lucky he did not get that called. But if you look at the difference between him this year and that Super Bowl playoff run, like you mentioned, he is a lot better. He has quicker feet. He's using his range, being, you know, six foot five, being really tall. He is kind of using that at times where he can, you know, stop a bull rush or a chop block. You know, I think there were some times where he actually did effectively stop Judon, where maybe he didn't hold him or Judon didn't spin past him. Uh, and sack broke because he did get to Burrow. You know, that's the thing. When they drafted Hakeem Adeniji in the sixth round uh, three years ago, they looked at him as he's not complete, but he has enough intangibles and a skill set where he can be developed. And, you know, he played tackle his rookie year. He mostly played right guard, like I said, last year. Now he's going back to tackle, but they also use him as a swing tackle this year, which I think was better because part of the, the question was, you know, what do you do with this guy? Because he's had so many role changes. You know, in high school and all of college, he played as a tackle. But again, because of that, like, versatile skill set he brings, they wanted to kind of meddle with it. And I think they've realized he's the most comfortable and the most athletic at tackle. And he kind of talked to me about that today. And that Super Bowl specifically, I mean, that's a game you want to forget if you're Hakeem Adinajik. You know, when you're going against Aaron Donald and that pass rush that sacked Joe Bro seven times, which is a Super Bowl record, Three of those were credited to Adenogy. So, I mean, that's a day that he's definitely forgotten about and moved on from. But he said the good thing about that game is you can magnify it and realize that with a game that big, you can't overlook, you know, letting Aaron Donald, granted he's a future Hall of Famer, letting him do what he did and letting guys like Ernest Jones and the other pass rushers and Von Miller get to Burrow. He used that as a reference point in the offseason, in the preseason to get better. So, again, I'm not saying he's the full package. I understand he's got a lot of things he has to work on and he's still working on, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I get it. It's it's not what you want. Just a comparison's sake, uh, Pro Football Focus does not agree with you. They gave him a grade of 20.4 for his performance against New England, uh, which was actually – 
lower than all but one of his playoff performances. They gave him a 1.8 for his performance against Kansas City. I've never seen I did, I did see I that. Know, I don't know what. I did see I don't know that. How that's even possible. Like, that sounds um, like that but, Animal House thing. Uh, 0.0. <laughs> Like that, that sounds like Dean Warmer right there. It's just like, it's, <laughs> I, it's almost worse to get a one than it is zero at that point. Oh, well, uh, 1.8, let's be fair to him. But, um, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know how much that uh, jumbo, you know, the extra personnel package helps him in this situation. And it's going to be kind of totally different uh, than what he was doing. I think you are, I think you have to be concerned um, based on how he played against New England. I mean, five, if you're averaging, uh, you know, pressures every, you know, one out of every five drop, allowing every pressures one every out of like seven or eight dropbacks. I mean, that's just not sustainable. Um, you know, he's coming in in the middle game. And this is after, you know, he's had Wednesdays to practice because Lyle Collins has taken Wednesdays off as a veteran day. So it's not like he's been completely, you know, he was not thrown in the moment completely un- unprepared. Um, he's been practicing with the first team offense uh, every Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's uh, – it's a concern, I think, certainly when, you know, one of the reasons they upgraded the line because they didn't think he was ready for that role. And I know you're almost a year later, but, um, you know, he's, he's struggled at times with uh, you know, coming in. Yeah, I, I agree. Think what you're gonna, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm curious now, um, you know, assuming that Collins goes on IR, if it is, you know, a season-ending injury, um, you would assume that the guy that they would call up off the practice squad would be Isaiah Prince. Um, you know, you got another tackle there. Then you would basically just move uh, Dante Smith into your swing tackle role. Uh, and then you have Prince there. So like they have the guys in house depth wise to do this. I'm curious with one more injury, like what would happen? Like if Adenogy goes down or if Jonah Williams goes down, because then you got to start doing some some gymnastics here, and you got to start trying to figure out okay who fits where. So um, I think I mean with with this type of injury, um, I think obviously you know you need to talk about you know kind of who's coming in and who's going out and all that kind of stuff. But I think some of the back half roster implications of this are pretty interesting too, because now you have to pick a new swing tackle. Because now if you lose one of your tackles, Dante Smith is going in the game. Um, then Isaiah Prince is next on deck, and he's a guy who's on the practice squad. So I, I, I think that's going to be kind of interesting to me over these next couple of days, and, and just kind of see what their roster moves are, and then who moves into uh, in, in, who moves into those roles. Because right now, if if you move Prince up, you've got four natural tackles on the roster, so you're not hurting yet. But you know, it, you are you know one snap away. General Williams, you know, his helmet comes off or something, and he has to leave the field. You got to put in a, you got to put in Dante Smith. You got to put in a guy who hasn't really played a lot. So I, I think that is something that I'm going to be watching here over these next couple of weeks too. And you do have Max Sharping, who uh, he was the swing tackle when Adinaji went in for Collins. Although I wasn't as impressed with him either because he had two penalties, one of which was a really bad holding call. So I mean, it's is a true tackle, like you said, but that's also not your ideal situation. And look, I'm not saying this is the best they got i'm just saying this is what they got to deal with they have to roll with it they're just really no ifs and buts about it but i'm just trying to be the slight hope of optimism that identity has improved and yes i get what the grades say although at the same time you could argue some of those grades are a little bit flawed you know like we've talked about i actually have started to kind of agree with that but like i said 
it's 2022 identity, not 2021 or rookie identity. He has grown and changed a lot. I think even Zach Taylor mentioned that, and Frank Pollock would probably agree with that. But let me ask you all this. I, I want to have some fun with this because, you know, this podcast is all about fun and being all folly and being silly. But I'm sure you guys have been seeing all the rumors of, you know, one of the most popular household names in Cincinnati, Andrew Whitworth. So he was actually on a podcast with Peter Schrager from the NFL Network, and he said word for word, I've said this since the day I retired. I'll never say never. There's always a chance. At this point, we can laugh and joke about it, but like, like, think about it like this. So, for you know, as people know, he's an analyst with Thursday Night Football. Next Thursday is the last, or I guess no, this Thursday is the last Thursday game of the week, of the year. Week 17 is the last week they do Thursday Night Football and Monday Night Football. I mean, like. After this week, he's technically free. I don't know his situation with the Rams, if he's still technically under contract with them because he retired, but is there a chance, even if it's like a 0.05% chance, is there a chance that he's not bluffing? Well, I mean, it it depends on if he's stayed in shape. Um, You know, I think that um, that really, I think that that really is, is really it. Like, he looks like he's in shape, but I've only ever – he looks like a huge human being, but I've only ever seen him watching TV and with a suit on. So, like, we don't know if he's, like, still working out because, you know, if he's still working out, if he's still staying in shape and in NFL shape, then it's a shot. But, like, I mean, you think about it where these guys, like, have to build themselves up. I mean, you can kind of look at Tom Brady. Like, I know he's 45 years old, but you're kind of in that ballpark with Whitworth. Like, look what happens with Brady when – his training regiment is not the same through the entire year. If he kind of takes a little bit of time off, I mean, I'm not going to cr- maybe not credit all of that to his struggles this year, but like you get the point. So I'm curious there, um, you know, has he lost weight? Like I, I remember when Marshall Yonder retired, there was kind of the same thing in Baltimore. Like, you know, Hey, you will see maybe he's a, you know, a mid season addition. If somebody goes down, if he wants to stay in shape or whatever, and then he showed up for his retirement press conference and he was down 60 pounds in two months and everybody went, Oh, okay. So that's not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, if, if Whitworth is down from his playing weight, you're just at a point now where he's not going to be able to gain like 25 pounds of muscle or whatever he would need to gain to like, to not hurt himself or hurt anybody else. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just a question of if he's in shape, um, the fans would want it. It'd be a cool story. It'd be a cool narrative. Um, but I mean, he just won the Super Bowl. Like, that's a hard, hard thing to to come back from. And, and you know, everybody wants to go out a champion. So I, I think it would be a really, really tough ask. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think, you know, I mean, like, someone asked Zach Taylor about it. Like, I mean, it, it was kind of half serious, half sarcastic if, like, you know, he's going to, you know, even consider the idea of like signing him. And he just said, you know, in typical coach speak, we have good people in the building that we trust. Well, and I mean, well, honestly, that's not, that, that's not how that happened. He, he laughed at the, he laughed, the he, he laughed, he laughed at the mere premise of the question. Cause it's kind of ridiculous. Like there's, I know. A, there's a acclimation period for athletes. Like if you want a guy to come in and walk and tear his ACL or tear his Achilles, like on the first day, Oh, you could bring him in. I mean, it's just not like people are like no people make comparisons to like a Gronk, but it's just not the same with offensive linemen. I mean, it's, it's not, yeah. Right? And you have to. I mean, they change their body changes so quickly because you're not eating the calorie intake that you need to keep up the weight, um, and that's sort of what right. the position is based around. 
Um, and on top of it, you're going to get him for what? Maybe the – I mean, he's not going to be able to play the regular season. Uh, I mean, it's just – it's kind of silly. But, I mean, he cannot shoot it down. Well, I and agree. that helps him probably, uh, you know, shoot, you know, be able to be a storyline going into that uh, last Thursday night game. But uh, I think Zach Taylor did a good job of saying no without being mean to a, a player that, you know, former Bengal, um, you know, it's just, it's just kind of silly. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, and the question was asked, um, it was Paul Dater of the athletic that asked it where you know, it was, he, he asked it in sort of a tongue in cheek way. Um, thought it was well phrased where it was something like, you know, would you have any interest in any 40 year old Amazon analyst for Thursday night football or something like that? Uh, he, he asked it in a good way. And it, it was, the whole thing was not very, it, you know, it was not a direct, do you have interest in Andrew Whitworth? And, you know, Zach with a straight face was like, well, you know, we trust the people in this building. Like it was a little bit more, you know, humorous and a little bit more, um, you know, kind of comical than that. So I, I mean, it, it's a long shot for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm just telling you right now, not happening. Never was going to happen. Never is going to happen. I don't like to be the crusher of hopes because, like I said 10 minutes ago, I like to be the positive glimmer of light in a dim room of darkness like with the Collins injury, among other things in the world. But, yeah, not happening, guys. I'm sorry. I'm also a pragmatic person like many people. We're going to continue talking more about this big matchup and what is going to change or what's going to improve for the Bengals this week if they want to keep up their seven-game winning streak. But before we go to break, folks, I didn't forget. Don't think I forgot. It's been a while, but I didn't forget. Cincinnati Football Insider. Hey, you got New Year's coming up. Your New Year's resolution, one of them at least, should be signing up for Cincinnati Football Insider. Cut through the clutter and the cloth of social media. Get all the insights and updates you need on the Bengals from the largest group of journos covering the team before it gets to social media. It's simple to sign up. Just go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. You'll see the blue banner at the top. Click on it. Sign up. It's a 14-day free trial. And if you want to stick with it, it's $4.99 a month, which you will not be charged unless you decide to stick with it. So, again, go to cleveland.com slash Bengals to sign up for that. Much, much more Bills Bengals football coming up when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, of course, uh, guys, as we've set the stage, the big and most important question is, you know, Lyle Collins' injury, Hakeem Adeniji stepping up, uh, whether or not the .0005% chance of Andrew Whitworth coming out of retirement actually happens, which it won't. Um, but I want to kind of shift gears and talk about something we haven't really talked about, I don't want to say probably since the bye week or kind of post-bye week, and that's special teams because, hey, Special teams are part of the team, too. We can't forget about that because teamwork makes the dream work. Um, we didn't really talk about this on the podcast, uh, Andrew, but, you know, Evan McPherson, I mean, even though he's only played less than two years, probably had one of the worst games of his career. One for three uh, with extra points, one for two from field goal range. The field goal he missed in his range should have been a chip shot. Uh, Drew Chrisman had a decent game. He punted three times for 130 yards. His net average was almost uh, 40 yards a punt. It was about 39.7 yards per punt. But there was one punt uh, that was in the very end of the game. Um, he punted towards the sideline. It was supposed to go out of bounds. But Marcus Jones, the electric punt returner for New England, almost got his hands on it. Uh, just about did, but didn't do anything with it. And Darren Simmons told us today, he said to Crispin word for word, 
you got really damn lucky there. And he did. Um, but like Simmons said, though, I think that's a game where for McPherson, it's just bad weather. It's windy, Foxborough in December. You put it behind you and move on. Uh, with Chrisman, again, I think he's been fine so far. Besides that punt and a few other weird punts he's had, I think he's been fine too. But, you know, for this, you know, special teams unit, which is, you know, changing a lot because you have Cal Adamice at long snapper. As we've talked about, you know, Huber's no longer the punter. Kevin Huber's no longer there. At least he's on the practice squad now. It's Drew Chrisman who's punting. Evan McPherson, still in his second year, so he's still very young for as much as he's done. I guess a game like that in New England, is that a game you move on from? Or is that a game where it's like, hey, you actually learn from kicking in like five-degree weather with windy conditions? Because for all we know, if the Bills get the one seed or the two seed and the Bengals have to go play them in the playoffs – you're going to deal with the same conditions again. So is that something that you should appreciate if you're Drew Chrisman, Cal Adamitis, and Evan McPherson? The experience well, of it? Yeah, I mean – The experience. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you have never – those are rare games in terms of, like, how low the temperature was. Uh, Darren Simmons says it was in the top two or three. Um, you know, he didn't totally excuse uh, the struggles, but I mean, for um, McPherson, but did say the weather contributed – because, you know, Nick Folk, who's used to that weather, he missed a pair of extra points as well. So, um, I mean, it did it did factor in, um, but you do have to sort of, what, what, what his, in his words, like kind of work your way through it and figure it out. Um, and, they, and they've talked about those things. And, um, you know, he's had some spot, you know, he missed in, you know, field goals in back-to-back games earlier this season. That was only the second time he'd done that. Um, he's missed three other extra points. Um, one of those was one the issue uh, in the opener with the snapper, but – um, you know, uh, I, I they're not persevering on it because that's the way his personality is that they can move on it, move forward, and have that confidence that he will work through it and doesn't need to sort of focus on it. Um, but it's certainly you know they, they've talked about it and uh, use it as learning experience. And same with Crispin, that is, incident um, you know could have been really costly. Uh, you know they lost a game on that a couple of weeks ago with with the uh, uh, return for a touchdown. So I mean I just think that. Um, you know, you got to be careful and you're always learning, especially for those young guys. I mean, those guys are both uh, in the early stages of their career. Yeah, I mean, Drew Christmas played six games. Like I asked him, um, you know, I, t- I was talking to him today and I was like, you know, how, when can you get a feel of, of what the conditions are going to be like? And, you know, how do you kind of account for, you know, games at this point in the year when it gets darker out and the day kind of fades and it gets windier and it gets colder? And he's like, I mean, he's like, yeah, for, for pregame warmups, you can't really, you know, get a whole lot. Um, you can't really learn a whole lot from from that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be tough um, in those situations, because like you said, like, you know, what if what if they're the what if they lose to Buffalo this week and they, you know, they have to, you know, go through the gauntlet in the playoffs of kicking at home against the Chargers and then you have to go kick in Kansas City against the Chiefs and then you have to go kick in Buffalo. Like, those are really, really tough places to play. So, um, you, you you don't want to say that the experience is necess- – like, I mean, the experience helps them, but um, in situations like that, it's just, you know, you do what you can to get by. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's – you got to learn from that and move on. And again, Darren Simmons didn't like, you know, like Mike said, he didn't excuse like that punt and the missed extra points, but he also isn't like 
worried that, you know, McPherson has that game in the back of his mind because he doesn't. And, you know, like you said, Mike, you talked to him after the game. Like, that's not something that McPherson's worried about. And I get it. It's been kind of a weird year where, like, he was lights out last year. He had the Steelers game. He had a weird game against the Browns. And then he missed the PAT against the Panthers. And then kind of went back to being lights out after the bye week until, you know, like that New England game with the weather. But I just think, like you said, Week one was just weird because we talked about it, Mitch Wilcox and what have you, being a long snapper. Uh, and then, you know, that Cleveland game was just, again, that, that was just a bad all-around game. Like, no one played well in that game. And then, yeah, New England was just the weather. But other than that, you can't really look at McPherson and say there's a glaring problem. Same thing with Chrisman. I think his hang time could be a little better. Maybe that's where sometimes he gets caught up as he's so focused on the hang time that maybe he doesn't get – the distance he ideally wants, but even then, I still think he's doing fine for, you know, being kind of thrown into that position midway in the year. So I don't think it's uh, definitely daunting, but it is a good experience that they're going to definitely want to appreciate. To kind of wrap up here, and we've talked about, you know, mistakes from special teams. On Saturday, we talked about Joe Burrow's mistakes, the wide receiver mistakes, but I want to talk about someone who I think has been pretty good all year but is quietly trending upward, and I think that's Von Bell. I think Von Bell had the kind of game on Saturday that shows the Bengals why he's another example of a great free agent signing they had, you know, the same year they got DJ Reader two years ago. You know, he did a little bit of everything. He played good zone coverage uh, near the line of scrimmage. You know, he played good blitzes when Anna Rumo, Lou Anarumo dialed it up, and how can you forget – the game-saving fumble where he punched the ball out of Ramondre Stevenson. Perfect execution. Stevenson was already about to go down, and Von Bell didn't give up on the play. I think having someone like Jesse Bates by her side definitely helps, but, I mean, the way he's been playing, I understand maybe he could have been a little better with some of his tackling earlier in the year, but he's progressed from that. He's been all over the field. I mean, in some ways, like, I think it's fair to call him a Swiss Army knife for someone at his position. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, yeah, Vaughn's played well. Um, you know, I think you really kind of need him to play well. I think, um, you know, I, I agree with you that he's kind of played really, really well over these last couple of weeks. Um, same with Jesse, too, because, I mean, when you lose Cheeto, like now you're putting in Cam Taylor Britton, your, your top two corners are Cam Taylor Britton, Eli Apple. Um, uh, you know, I, I I think that's passable. I don't know if that's good. I think it's passable. Um, so you really kind of need Vaughn and Jesse to kind of take the top off some things, um, you know, when they're asked and, you know, play the run really well and just kind of play all over because you can't let Vaughn or you can't let Cam and, and Eli kind of be out on an island by themselves because I don't really think that that would end well for Cincinnati. So, um, you know, those two safeties, I mean, they've certainly played really well over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean they they played okay. They, you know, just sometimes it depends what you know plays come your way. I, I don't think he's been uh, you know sort of terrific in coverage. I think he's been okay. But I mean, you know, when you make the game winning play, I mean you're always going to feel good kind of about where you're at. Um, you know, I think the safe the the whole kind of back end kind of struggled at times in that second half against the Patriots, and I think they'd like some of those uh, plays back. You know, Mac, Mac Jones was. Uh, kind of just throwing the ball around, really just targeting Cam Taylor Britt and um, uh, quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that was sort of scheme where he wasn't getting as much help, or they were just asking him to sort of 
do it by himself. But uh, you know, I, I, he's been he's he's obviously an important piece because you know his leadership in the locker room I think is very invaluable. Um, yeah, and, and you know he's going to be a free agent as well. You think you know uh, if he's be able to give him a little bit of a hometown discount kind of thing that they. would uh, want to bring him back because he's you know playing well enough at his age to sort of um, you know a modest contract I think would be would be good for both sides. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing is like you know you talk about the contract part. I mean he's he's showing you why he's a guy that you made the right decision bringing and why you want to resign him to a fair deal. You know when that time comes around later on. But that's just something that that kind of popped in mind that I don't think I talked about as much on. Saturday with Andrew. I want to talk more about Cam Taylor Britt later this week when we talk about previewing, you know, the Bills offense and Josh Allen as we keep setting the stage for this really, I really think once it's all said and done, one of the biggest games of the year up to this point, if not in general. But to finally put a bow on this, uh, you know, we usually do our little rapid fire Q&A, but I want to have some fun with this. Maybe not so much on the field stuff, a little bit of, a little bit of both, a little on and off the field uh, Q&A to kind of divvy it up. So uh, just going to throw this out there. I mean, guys, I want to ask you, Monday's game, next Monday, are we going to see new record attendance at Paycor Stadium? I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, how many? St- I mean, there's a limit to how many standing room they can let in. So I mean, right. it's probably going to be around what the the stripe or the whiteout was uh, with the Dolphins. I mean, there's not. I don't think there's much yeah. higher they can get just because of the capacity. So, but do they uh, go higher than that? Even if it's ten more, do they go higher than that? I I have no idea. Guess <laughs> guess there will be a lot of fans there. That's my guess. No, no. I, I'll, say, cold. I'll say no. Cold. Oh, come on. Hey, there's no such thing as cold in week 17 of the NFL season, guys. I say yes because the record, like you said, was the stripe hype game. Uh, it was exactly 67,260 people. I think you could only go so much higher. Like You could probably count how many more people on your finger you can have. But guess what? Even if it's 10 more people, I think it's 10 more people. So I say, yes, we're going to see a new record after already setting a record this year. So here's another funny question I want to ask you guys. Who throws the challenge flag first, McDermott or Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor's been on a roll lately. I think he's had a challenge, what, each last four weeks? Yeah, I was going to say Zach Taylor too. I agree. All right. Now kind of on the field stuff. Who throws for more passing yards? Josh Allen or Joe Burrow? Isn't the challenging isn't a challenge on the field? Like does he is how is a challenge off the field? Well, I mean it's like cuz we're not we're not focused question. We're not focused so much on like stats and players. I'm kind of like making it a little different cuz we don't really think about coaches and challenges, you know. Come on, Mike, just roll with it, bro. I think about them all the time. Do you like you? You wake up and go to sleep and think about it. <laughs> a large portion. Yeah, Mike. Mike dreams of coaches getting those that like third challenge in the in like the third quarter because you got That's the first huge. two right. Yeah. I wonder well, if he, I, he, Zach's average is not good. I wonder if he's ever had two right in a game. I, I don't think so. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you later on the week on that. What did what do uh, Cleveland.com stats and analytics say about that? Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, but the yeah. question well, I was asking. Their, their department's not as quick as ESPN stats and info. We'll have to uh, right. get them working on that. I bet it's yeah, I bet you love love. real, real interesting stuff about Ohio sports. Don't know about, you know, maybe what the rest of the league is like. But 
sure we could get something on that. So my next question was, who throws for more yards? Kind of more on the field, on the field stuff. Who throws for more yards, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. I'm going to say Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen has more yeah. total yards. Boom. I said passing yards. Well, total yards is different. I'm just talking passing yards. I'm no, saying I know, Joe Burrow has more passing yards. I'm going to say Josh Allen. Josh Allen has more total yards. I'm actually willing to roll with that. I'll go with yours, Mike. I'm going to say, yeah, that's actually – I'll take no bandwagon jumper, so I'm not allowed. I didn't – oh, you're, you're the last thing that's worth a bandwagon, buddy. Come on now. All right, and this this is just – we're going to have fun with this. Like, don't read too much into this one because it's a fun question. Is this on the field a, or off the field? I'm just trying to prepare. It's both. Actually, it's both, but both. it's still not a trick question. Both. My question to both of you is, earlier I said this game is going to be a shebanger. Is this game going to be a shebanger? Uh, that's not a word that I recognize, so no. Well, I, I just I made it. I don't ever want to hear you say that word ever again. Shebanger. Uh, so is it yes or no? Is that, is that what it's going to be on Monday? No, it's a regular season game. It's, it's a regular season game. You go 1-0. You got to go 1-0. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to say no, actually. Um I'm going to say no. I think that this game is going to get hyped up and it's only going to be a pretty decent game. And it's, you know, you're not playing for your playoff lives or anything like that. So I say no. It doesn't have to come down to playoff lives. I mean, it, I just think it's going to be a really, really, really good game with a few implications on the line. I mean, gosh, you guys are so lame. Caps, live a little. Go out. Have some fun, guys. Like, geez, Louise. <laughs> I mean, we like, well, here's the thing. Like, if this game were happening in the playoffs, like, yeah, like I'd be, you know, I this would, I'd be ready to roll for this one. But like, um, the, I'm just curious, like, what the energy will be there? Um, you got a whole bunch of people that basically will have been drinking for like two or three days straight. It'll be, it'll depend. Like, we'll see if if it gets warmer. Like the uh, forecast is calling for the next couple of days. I think so. But like if it's what it was like last week or something, or if the code, like the temperature takes another turn, no. Don't underestimate the fans, Mike. Right now, as I sit here on Tuesday, December 27th at 8.35 p.m., uh, the high for Monday next week, 59. The low, 51. But with the chance of showers. So if it stays at 51 – you know, that place is going to be liquored up. But if not it rains, rain, <laughs> I don't not know. Not if rain. Yeah, if it rains, I'm not sure. I mean, have you but seen I how think, many – I think atmosphere, atmosphere plays a lot into it. Um, I think atmosphere is kind of, kind of feed into whether or not, um, you know, you can look back at this game as, like, you know, one of the better ones of the season. I mean, like, have you guys not seen, like, how many fans go to those, like, Buffalo Bills game? Like, did you see that game where the Dolphins played them on Saturday night, like, almost two weeks ago? Like, that place was packed. And I get it. It's just Buffalo. Like, those just people. So you know, just so you know, they're playing in Cincinnati on Monday. I understand that. But I'm just, just saying, just don't know. underestimate people. Just I'm just saying people. I'm not underestimating um, people from Cincinnati. Um, people from Buffalo. But you're are questioning their – 
dedication over against Baltimore. You're saying Cincinnati fans are not as dedicated or are as dedicated? I didn't say that. I said they're going to be just as dedicated, if not more dedicated, Mr. Mike. That's what I'm trying to say. And by the way, don't think it's just going to be Bengals fans. Like, Bill's Mafia travels. I was actually in Nashville when they played there at Monday Night Football last year when I lived near Tennessee, my last job, and there were still so many Bills fans there the day after that game. And I was just like, you guys came from Buffalo? And, like, half of them said yes, and half of them came from, like, California. I mean, these people are crazy. They're going to come to Cincinnati. Bills fans travel really well. Bills fans. And plus, like, if if you can get out of the Buffalo snow and win for – a couple of days, you're going to do it. So, The same way that Bengals fans wanted to go to the Tampa sunshine? I mean, I get it. Cincinnati's no Tampa, but it ain't Buffalo, and so people will gladly take it over Buffalo. So don't underestimate them. Don't underestimate Bengals fans, and don't underestimate the fact that this game will be, and I'm going to say it just to make Andrew angry, a shebanger. Folks, stay with us this week. We're going to talk more about this big, exciting game. We're going to talk more about Another matchup, Burrow versus Allen. Who's going to have the better MVP odds? The key to stopping either quarterback on each side of the ball. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nazak, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. See you later this week. Enjoy the rest of your night.